You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is an Australian freelance writer, blogger, and author with more than 20 years professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name is Valerie Koo, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Alison Tate. What is new in your world, Alison? Oh, it's been a very, very busy week, Valerie. I have been, you know, generally speaking, you say to me, what have you been doing? And Mm -hmm. I say, well, I've been sitting here in my study and I've been writing and I've been writing. (laughs) Well, last week I went to Sydney for a few days and I I did a whole lot of school talks back to back. So I went to visit a whole range of different schools and I was incredibly nervous, particularly when I found out that one of my groups was going to be 100 Year 7 boys. Oh, my God. I know. And all I could think in the back of my head as we were driving there was they can smell fear. They can smell fear. It's Take Lord it of the breath. Flies. It was. But they were absolutely lovely. It all went beautifully and um, I was just so relieved and so incredibly tired when I got home. It wasn't funny. So I bet. I did that. Um and, of course, that was to promote the Mapmaker Chronicles and, you know, just generally to talk about writing and do all that sort of thing. So that was good. And then um, I also I took part, and this is a big shout-out, to the Blogging Bettys, which is a US podcast, and they listen to us on a regular basis. And I did an interview with them last week, which will be um, available for listeners, I think, in the next couple of weeks, and that was all about freelance writing. And um, and then today I received um, my Boomerang Books newsletter and they've got their kids reading guide for summer and I opened up the middle fiction and there at number one was the Mapmaker Chronicles. So oh, wow. I've, I've had a huge week. It's been very, very exciting. So wow. what about you? What have you been doing? Well, you win. You finally, you've done way more diverse things than me this week, I can tell you. Um, what have I been doing? Okay, so I went to Melbourne again um, to do a few things, have a few meetings, um, meet with some of our presenters there, which is very exciting. And um, on the weekend, I got head down, bum up, doing my own version of NaNoWriMo in a sense um, and wrote, uh, well, created uh, what's going to be a new online course for the Australian Writers' Centre. So Ooh, that's um, obviously Are I did allowed to know what it is? Yes, yeah, certainly. Of course, I didn't do it all in one weekend, but, you know, I got into quite a lot of it on the weekend. So I can't wait for it to be released. So it's going to be called The Business of Freelancing. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So it's yes. very much focused on the business side of it and it's not about writing but it is for writers for freelance writers and it's all about you know growing your freelance writing business making sure you have all the right admin and accounting in place making sure you have the right productivity structures and all of that so if you're really you know serious about making it as a freelance writer that's the you know little course for you I wish you'd created that about 15 years ago, well, <laughs> so it would have saved me an awful lot of time and energy, I'd imagine. Well, it's got about 15 years' worth of freelancing experience <laughs> put into it, so I think we went freelancing about the same time. We did, yeah. 
But also just wanted to have a shout out to our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for all of your emails and all of your feedback and your Facebook messages and your um, posts on social media. We really appreciate it. Um, and we did get one email asking us whether we could include website links. So I uh, just wanted to highlight to everyone that there's always the show notes. All of the website links are in the show notes um, and they can be found at writerscentercomau slash podcast so you can come there if you've missed anything it's definitely in the show notes so let's see what's been happening in the world of writing and blogging and publishing lately yes let's do that what have you got for us well i sort of came across this little um post about uh michelle faber who basically announced that he plans to stop writing novels now michelle actually grew up in Australia, um, but he now lives in Scotland. And it was a little bit sad, I have to admit, because basically he, you know, his wife, his companion of 26 years and his wife since 2004 passed away and he's deep in grief and he's made this announcement that he's going to stop writing novels. And he's only 54, so he's still got a lot of, you know, years left in him yet. And I kind of thought, well, apart from the fact that it was very sad, um, it was interesting in that, you know, what happens when you lose your muse or, you know, the, the, the thing that, 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 that you're writing for because I believe that his wife, Eva, used to, you know, be a real sounding board for him and used to really help him with his novels. What are your thoughts, Alison? I don't know. I find, I find this really interesting, particularly in this day and age where, you know, writers are told that they have to just keep writing and writing and writing and writing. And, you know, it's it's all about having as many books out there as you possibly can. And to think that, you know, you reach a point where maybe there's just no more, that you've had enough. Like, I mean, Harper Lee wrote one book in her, <laughs> you know, existence. Um, how do you know when you've had enough? I just, I wonder whether or not he may well in a few years' time find himself in a different position of wanting to write more or mm. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I find it, um, I, I can't imagine stopping entirely um, myself mm. because I think there's always an idea and it's just sort of like to me it's become a kind of a bizarre habit of um, just always having something to work on, you know. That's yeah. So I, I just wonder what's he going to feel that what will he feel that time? Well, I, 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 I suppose know. it's interesting. I mean, I suppose that it's completely understandable when someone is deep in grief, they don't want to oh, do anything. Absolutely, yeah. But what is um, also interesting is if you have a muse. Now, I think clearly she was his muse. And some, you know, there are artists and there are musicians who clearly have muses. Do you have a muse? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess from the perspective of the Mapmaker Chronicles, maybe I did or I do in the form of my children because mm. I guess I I sort of wrote the story for them as much as anything. Do you know what I mean? I kind of had a reader in mind. Um, I don't, I'm not someone who kind of really sits around contemplating the muse that often. I, mm. I find it to be something that um, I think a lot of people talk about it when they're not writing. Um, the muse seems to be, to be an excuse not to write in some ways. <laughs> Uh, whereas I've just always believed that you, if you start writing, then the muse turns up, you know, sort mm. of thing. Um, so yeah, it's an interest. It is a really interesting idea. But if he wrote for her, for his wife, then potentially, yes, he's lost his reader, mm. his main reader. So maybe that's what it is. I'm, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I mean, where ideas come from and and how novels are formed and 
where you get that impetus that makes you want to sit down and just for hours and hours and days and days and churn out words. I I don't even know how to explain that. So mm. I can't imagine having to explain how it ended, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. And I mm. suppose everyone's got a different motivation. Some people, mm. you know, to get through the hours and hours and churning out all of those words, it's some for some people it's pure creativity. For some people it's pure intellectual challenge. For some people it's, you know, a status symbol thing, yeah. you know, the outcome. Yeah. So everyone's got a different why, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, another interesting link this week, which no doubt was a little bit of clickbait, but, um, and look, you know, here we are talking about it, but it was a post on a blog called Vox by Matthew Iglesias, and he opens with, (laughs) here's a little real talk about the book publishing industry. It adds almost no value. It's going to be wiped off the face of the earth soon, and writers and readers will be better off for it. Uh, now he goes yeah great now he goes on to say what is indisputably true is that amazon is on track to destroy the businesses of incumbent book publishers but the many authors and intellectuals who've been convinced that their interests or the interests of literary culture writ large are identical with those of the publishers are simply mistaken so basically he's saying that the you know books are published by giant conglomerates and the best thing that could happen is for them to be squashed so that you know lots of people can now take advantage of the fact that they can be publishers themselves and put out their own books and you know let the market decide in a sense mm. as opposed to having a gatekeeper now this this um, kind of commentary, of course, is not new and it sparks a lot of controversy and yet it continues and continues and continues. And it's almost like a, a little bit of, you know, really? Do you really think that? What's your, your, what are your thoughts on it? Well, obviously, like I read a lot of the posts about this and the, the, mm. what I generally find is that the ones that are all about, you know, Amazon's going to win and it's amazing generally tend to be written by self-published people <laughs> and the ones who are all about like Amazon is bad and it's the end of the world are written by people tra- published by traditional publishers. I think it tends to come down a little bit to this whole notion. We had this debate 10 years ago that ebooks were going to kill print, print books. didn't really happen Um, Mm. so I'm just wondering if it's just another cycle in the whole changing face of everything. I don't understand why there's not room for everybody. I mean, I'm obviously with a, um, traditional publisher and I have to say, I couldn't be happier. Uh, The Mm. the stuff that has happened around my, the launch of my Mapmaker Chronicles is stuff that I could never have done myself. Um, you know, I've had bookshop windows. I've had, um, I, I went to functions and met 300 booksellers who were beside themselves with excitement about my book because mm. my publisher had told mm. them about it. And then I've had since had emails from readers who've gone into bookshops and and the booksellers are saying to them, you must read this, this is a great book. So that kind of hand selling is stuff that you can't, it's very hard to do on your own as yep. a self-published author. So, you know, I, I'm happy enough with my choice from that perspective and I think that Everybody needs to make that decision for themselves. I just know that there's an awful lot of authors out there who've self-published and been incredibly disappointed mm. at how things have turned out. But then I also know authors who've traditionally published and been incredibly disappointed. So um, I just think every author has to find their way and decide which of those options is best for them. And I really sincerely hope that Amazon doesn't crush everyone in sight because mm-hmm. I just think a monopoly of any kind is a bad thing. Mm. That's yes. all. That's okay. all I have to say. Yep. Okay. And you? <laughs> 
Well, I think that, um, yeah, why can't we all coexist? I think that self-publishing is here to stay. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm with the traditional publisher as well, but I can absolutely see that there are benefits to self-publishing and that when, when done well, it can be um, incredibly successful. Absolutely. Uh, but, sometime, but, you know, sometimes, in, I hate to say oftentimes, it's not necessarily done well. Uh, you know, so I... I, I think it's really important for the self-publishers to um, not only embrace this wonderful opportunity, but to make sure that their books and, you know, their book covers even uh, of a particular standard. And in fact, that's one of the things, because I've been seeing such a proliferation of, you know, self-published books, some really good, some not so good. Um, we're creating a course called Book Covers That Sell specifically for the self-publishing market so that they can make sure their covers are the, are the absolutely best quality that they can be and are absolutely on par, if not better, than you know traditional publishers because I think that's sometimes where people fall down. You're not meant to judge a book by its cover, but you know what? We do. So we do. I think it's really important it that, that self-publishers bear that in mind. But I certainly do not hope that um, the big publishers are crushed. I think they serve a really important function. Yes, they're gatekeepers, but if you don't want to deal with the gatekeepers, that's fine. Go self-publish. That's exactly right. So moving on then to another link, um, and it's actually called, Is Perfectionism Slowing Your Writing Process? Seven Ways <sighs> NaNoWriMo Can Help. So as we know, we're right into the thick of NaNoWriMo uh, this month, National Novel Writing Month. Are you doing NaNoWriMo, Al? Not this year. I have done it the last three years, but I'm, I'm actually not doing it this year. I think I've, I've written two books this year and I'm sort of... <laughs> feel like I just need a little bit of headspace rest. I'm actually, you know what I'm doing instead? I'm editing an adult novel instead. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Mm. I was talking to an author this morning who is on her third book. She's, you know, writing her third book for Random House mm. and um, she has about 60,000 She's written about 60,000 words and she's got about 30 or 35,000 to go, but she's using NaNoWriMo to get her through that last 35. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think it's, it's, it's a fantastic motivator. I wrote book one for the Mapmaker Chronicles in NaNoWriMo in 2012 and I started the second book in NaNoWriMo 2013. So, um, yeah, it's a huge Wow, huge they're NaNoWriMo helpful. babies. They are, and I know I know several authors. Like Lisa Lisa Heidke often uses NaNoWriMo um, to get her novels underway mm. because it gives you a great start. Like it just gives you a, that impetus of we're all in this together. Let's get on with it. You yeah, know? it's, and it's great. very very good from that perspective. What are your as a NaNoWriMo veteran? Then, if you know, two years can be a veteran. Um, what are your tips on people who are doing NaNoWriMo to to be connected to that community, you know, to, to, to be, have that feeling of we're all in this together as opposed to beavering away in their own, you know, cupboard under the stairs. Well, I've never, um, I've, so I know that they have lots of write-ins and things in the capital cities and I've never actually managed to get to any of those, but I think those would be fantastic to go along to if mm. you're sort of like feeling like you need some, a kick. But to me, it's just all about the graph. I, I'm just obsessed yeah. with the NaNoWriMo graph and I know people use Scrivener for that reason, mm. but it's not the same because I know that there's an outside parameter. It's not just me setting a time and whatever. It's an outside parameter. Yeah. Um, what I do with it each year too is I let everybody know, you know, via my blog and Facebook that I'm doing it 
and yeah. then I post my word count every day and then, you know, then I, everybody else posts their word count and we fit like so my community also within the NaNoWriMo community has its own thing going on, which I think is a really helpful thing too. Does it make you write more, Did the, the fact that you post it? The fact that I have to, the fact that I have to share, the fact mm. that I, you know, yes, it does. But I'm also really honest. Like some days are 400 word days and some mm. days are two and a half thousand word days. And I make that really clear. I even did that when I was writing book three of the Mapmaker Chronicles. I posted my word count every day online so people could see that mm. some days are just not, you know, I wrote pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, but some days were a lot better than others as far as just getting the words down on paper. Um, and I, I think people need to, you know, I know I do know writers who set themselves a word count and will not leave the computer until they've got it. Yeah. Um, but I just don't work like that. I like, okay, as long as I get something down today, um, hopefully tomorrow will be better. And it usually works like that. It swings and roundabouts. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I have to confess, even though I'm not officially participating in NaNoWriMo, I'm kind of doing my own little NaNoWriMo with myself, um, which I know is a bit antisocial. But it's anyway. very antisocial. <laughs> so on the weekend. They're um, missing the point. But I know. <laughs> I know. I'll do it next year. Um, uh, on the weekend, I I don't even know how I did this, but I wrote – over 6,000 words and I feel like a truck has hit me. I can barely string a sentence together. I mean, I didn't run a marathon or anything. I wrote <laughs> words on a computer. Good on but I feel like I'm just exhausted. It is, it is really mm. tiring and that it's 1,667 words a day or something that you need to do to make yeah. 50,000 yeah. and that is a high word count on a daily basis. Like mm. never, ever underestimate it. But you know what my theory is? I've never won NaNoWriMo. I have mm. never, ever hit the 50. I got to 48,000 oh. or something but I didn't care because my thing is that I will always have more words at the end of November than I had at the start and that yeah. is my main aim generally speaking. But just to go back to the work, to the blog post that you, you've linked mm. us to, Anne R. Allen, um, her blog is a really, really good one for writers. Like she's, she's one of Writers Digest's 101 best ones for, for last year. But she, that post that she's written there about whether perfectionism is slowing your writing mm. is a really good overview not only of NaNoWriMo but the way that NaNoWriMo can help you through some of those blocks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good post. Read it. Definitely. The link is in the show notes. It is. So just a fun thing I came across this week, and we'll put this link in the show notes as well, is what does your handwriting say about you? And oh, my God. I, I'm interested. Now I'm obsessed with getting people to write on bits of paper so I can analyse their handwriting because it says things like if, you know, it's got pretty wide spacing, you enjoy your freedom, you don't like to be overwhelmed or crowded. But if it's narrow spacing, you can't stand to be alone and you tend to crowd people and be intrusive. Whereas if your slant, if you, you know, if it's the slant of your handwriting also says something to you. If it's no slant, you're logical and practical. If it slants to the right, you're open to new experiences and like meeting new people. But it slants to the left, you tend to keep yourself and you like to work behind the scenes. So, you know, um, it's, but you enjoy expressing rebellion. But there's all sorts of things about the way you dot your I's, the way you cross your T's and, you know, um, whether your O's are opened or closed. Um, but it's kind of cute. So we'll put that link in the show notes. We'll paste the infographic there as well so you can have a look about, you know, what your handwriting says about you. There's also what your handwriting says about your health and your energy levels. So um, 
yeah. it's quite interesting. So I'm looking at this and the signature says not legible. Mm-hmm. Then you are very private, hard to read or understand. That must be me because mm. mine is completely illegible. But most of my writing is, well, how's this? It can tell you if you've got high blood pressure. Yeah, what it says about your health. Because, of course, this is scientifically <laughs> tested, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> All mine says is probably should have been a doctor but only for the handwriting. <laughs> Nothing else. And so what else have we got this week, Al? You've ah, got an interesting well, I, link. I came across a link and uh, it was. I thought this was quite fun, um, just a little sideline one for us. It's called rescuemysite.com.au and it's being run by, it's Koshi, so Channel 7, um, and it's the search for Australia's worst website mm-hmm. and you can nominate someone. And basically it can be a business, it can be, you know, any kind of business at all. So I'm thinking that maybe if you've got a an author site that might need a bit of work or you're not quite sure what you're doing, um, that maybe it would be a good idea to um to nominate your site and see what happens. Like why not? Mm. It's a hundred thousand dollars in prizes are available to get your online presence up to scratch. Goodness me. Goodness me. (laughs) That's cute. I reckon it's awesome. Um so what what else is happening in the world of writing? Well, I had to laugh this week. I, if you remember like many episodes ago, I can't exactly remember, but very back in the early days of our podcast, we talked about the book that had been brought out by Humans of New York, which was a Facebook uh, project that had become so incredibly and amazingly popular that they had produced a book and it was mm. a beautiful book and we were very excited, etc. So anyway, I had to laugh this week because I got sent um, – there was there was one that was put up on the 31st of October and it was sent to me by six different people. And it was about a guy, no, which is so clearly people think this is very relevant to me. Um, and it was about a guy and the question that they asked him was, what do you feel most guilty about? And he answered, not finishing my novel. I've already built the room where I'm going to write it at my house in Sag Harbour. The walls of the room are painted Venetian red it has shelves filled with every book I've ever read and that goes on to describe the entire room and then he says at the end, I have everything I need except the time. Oh, my God. Now, the reason that this was sent to me by six different people is that in 2011 I wrote a post on my blog which was extremely and remains extremely popular. It was called Famous Last Words, I'll Write My Novel When. And it came about because I was watching Grand Designs because, you know, I have a thing for Kevin. Mm, Don't we all? And there was a guy in France who had moved his entire family to France so that he could build a writing room at the top of his house Mm. so that he could write his novel. And I remember watching it and just thinking, why don't you just sit down and write the novel? And it was all about the fact that it's not the place that makes the writing special, it's the writing that makes the place special. You can Mm -hmm. write your novel anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that post and everybody loved it. And so when they saw this guy, they were like, oh, Al, I can hear you screaming from here. And I was screaming. He's got this beautiful room and he's not in it. (laughs) How frustrating. You just want to shake him. Well, you do. You also just want to say... Maybe all that time you spent building the room, you could have been writing. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's a bit of a. Um, so the 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 link to both of those things is um, my post and also the um, Facebook post. There is 
are in the show notes and well worth having a look, I think. Yeah, Humans of New York is a great um, It is blog. great. I love it. Another interesting blog um, that I've been reading lately uh, is called The Minimalists. Have you have you ever read it or, or no, seen it? No. So it's a couple of guys in America who decided at some point a few years ago to adopt a minimalist lifestyle. And it came uh, – it happened because one of them was going to move house or something. So he decided to pack everything he ever owned in boxes, I mean, only living out of three boxes for the next little while. And if he didn't need anything out aside from what was in those three boxes, he would um, just toss them toss the stuff. And so they began this sort of mission to live a minimalist lifestyle, but it it it, it expanded beyond material things to adopting a minimalist approach to life. And their blog has gone nuts, mm-hmm. and they've also it, it has also spawned many books. Um, you know, a collection of essays. There's also a book called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, which is, um, you know, a broader approach to to a minimalist life rather than just things. It's also, you know, how you deal with your friends, how you deal with relationships, how you deal with your goals. Um, and there's also their most recent book is Everything That Remains, um, which is a little bit of a memoir. And so there's about four or five books that this blog has spawned. And these guys, Joshua Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, are on their world tour. And they're actually going to be in Australia next week. And and they're going to do Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, that sort of thing. So we'll put a link in the show notes to their tour dates. And they're going to be doing talks and naturally book signings if you you want to, you know, the society book. And – it's all, all their all their events are free. Wow! So, so you're going along, Val. Have you got time in your cluttered lifestyle? <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, um, it, in Sydney, they're going to be on at the University of Sydney. Um, I'm not sure where they're on in you know the other states, but they're it's all there on their on their world tour page. But it's interesting to see, you know, not only how you know, uh, a blog about a very specific thing can become such a success, um, but to, to, to see that it can spawn so many books as well, you know. I, I, mean, I don't – you weren't there, Albert, at ProBlogger. There was a blog um, and the theme of the blog was about packing lists, you know, as in things to pack. No. Oh. Yeah, it's really specific. So wow. Do you use it, Valerie? Because I know that when you pack sometimes, you don't always get everything in that you should. Yeah, well, no, I don't use that blog, but I have actually downloaded a new app called Trip List where I now write my little checklist so I don't forget certain <laughs> essential items and have to run madly to the nearest store to find, yes, you know, certain things. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's do that. But, yeah, you? if you're interested in the minimalists um, and their tour of Australia, we'll put the link in the show notes. So tell us who our writer in residence is this week. Oh, well, I'm quite excited because um, I had a fantastic chat. You know how I'm sure that most of our listeners or many of our listeners would love an opportunity to shove a publisher in a corner, yeah. shine lights in their eyes mm. and ask all the questions that they want they to ask. Talk. Yes. Well, I've done it for you people. It's very, <laughs> very exciting. But I, I put Bernadette Foley, who is teaching a new course for us at the Australian Writers' Centre on um, what publishers want 
Um, I well, I basically gave her the the full interrogative experience and asked her not only what publishers want, but a whole range of other questions that I think our um, listeners will find really useful. So I hope you enjoy. Bernadette Foley has worked as an editor and publisher in the Australian publishing industry for over 25 years. For the past 10 years, she was a publisher of fiction and non-fiction for Ashet Australia, one of the largest publishers in the country, working with such authors as William McInnes, Gabriel Lord, Graham Blundell, Bronwyn Parry and Pamela Freeman. She is teaching a new course at the Australian Writers' Centre called What Publishers Want, which of course is what we all want to know. So hi Bernadette, how are you? Hello Alison, very well thank you and thank you for inviting me to do this interview. Anytime, because you know it's rare to actually get a publisher in a seat and be able to interrogate them, so prepare yourself <laughs> because here I am on behalf of all our listeners. So all right. Let's start with the basics. What exactly does a publisher do? Okay, well a a lot of people think we spend our days reading mm. and that's not true, unfortunately. We spend our evenings and weekends reading. Oh. Um, but what we do is um, obviously the main part of our job, I suppose, is to find new manuscripts to be published and to work with both new writers and with ongoing writers. Uh, but equally, we're like the middle person between the publishing company and the author and the readers. Oh, so so um, it's quite a, a big encompassing job. So we have to be just as involved with the financial side of a book as we are with the words. Wow. And so how many manuscripts would you, you know, read in a year? Oh, That's um, a big question. That, that is a big list. question. <laughs> um, a lot. Um, but <laughs> I have to say that I wouldn't read all of them the whole way through. Um it's a matter of, you know, reading and deciding if you want to keep going. Um, so it's, there's always a pile of manuscripts either on your inbox or by the bed that have to be read, you know, oh. five or six a week, I'd say. Um, and that is, it fluctuates during different times of the year, um, but it's, it's constant. Okay. And how far into a manuscript do you have to, to get to know if it's one that you might be interested in? Mm. It really depends. Um, unfortunately, I have to be honest and say there are some manuscripts you read the first five pages and you think I'm not going any further. Wow. But that's not always to do with the quality of the writing. So sometimes you might read something and think this is really good, the writing's good, it's just not the type of book that I would publish or that the company would publish. And so that's an easy one to stop reading um, because you, you can explain to the author that, um, you know, they should persevere um, but just find a publisher more suited to their work. Okay. So basically authors, you know, it's not a matter of just like getting every publisher in the phone book and sending off your manuscript. You need to really give some thought mm. as to what kinds of books this particular publisher is likely to be looking for. Exactly. So the easiest way to do that is um, simply go into a, a good bookshop and look at books that are similar to yours that either you've written or you you intend to write and um, look at those books and see who published them and the imprint page on a book in a book is a valuable thing so it's the page just after the title page and that tells you who the publisher is often gives their um, street address and now will always give their um, website address. Okay. 
and also it will let you know whether the book was published in Australia or whether it was brought into Australia on distribution from the UK or the US. Right, okay. So that'll give you an idea of where to start. Of who to contact. Honing your lists. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right, so how do you actually become a publisher? Um, I was incredibly fortunate. I um, really did a very traditional training um, as a book editor, starting as a junior editor, a trainee editor, a junior editor, an editor, then commissioning editor, then publisher. So my um, career path was really quite old-fashioned in a way and I just I was incredibly lucky that I found somebody who had the time to train me up. Um, but that is not always the case. You can be um, one of my co colleagues at Ashet came to um, being a publisher via being a bookseller and managing um, very large bookshops and then working in marketing and then jumping through that way. Another colleague um, has been a literary agent for a long time. Before that, she was an editor, and now she has just started as a publisher. Okay. So um, there are different ways of reaching that same end, and depending on what experience you bring with you from your previous jobs, it all reflects what sort of publishing you feel comfortable doing and how, how you publish. Okay. And so does the training involve like teaching you to find the next bestseller? Or does it <laughs> um, what a lovely idea. Oh, I wish it did. This is what you need to look for, yes. Yes. Um, it certainly makes you very, very aware of the market. So you always have to be aware of what people are reading um, and what they're interested in. What you have to do very importantly is not look at not look backwards even if backwards is only to you know a month ago you've got to look forward so um, you don't want to publish the next um, Harry Potter you want to publish the next new thing right um, so it's always a matter of being one step ahead as far as you possibly can so you're kind of like one of those trend spotters in you know, yes yeah trend spotter for, for stories wow that's really it's not an easy job no, it's not an easy job. It's not an easy job, but it's a very um, extremely fulfilling job. Wow. So what do you think the biggest misconception is that writers have about publishers, apart from the fact that you're obviously just sitting back eating grapes and reading all <laughs> Yes, that's one of them. Um, it's a funny thing. In Australia, there aren't many publishers. There aren't many publishing companies. And within the publishing companies, there aren't many publishers. So I think there's a misconception that publishers are aloof and that we're not looking for more books to publish. Mm -hmm. And I think that has arisen really because people don't often meet a publisher. No. Like um, my partner's an architect and there are lots of architects in the world and um, people know what architects do, more or less. So um, they, there's not the same thing of um, feeling of, you know, architects are um, a rarity whereas publishers appear to be a rarity simply because there aren't a lot of us. You're like the um, spotted you know, white yeah. albino leopard, aren't you? <laughs> Out there in the wild. That's right. And in fact, we're not. We're just, we're, publishers definitely are looking for new books to publish. Um, we're also looking for debut authors, believe it or not. Wow. Um, and people, that's another misconception that people, that publishers won't take on new talent. Well, um, I certainly would, and my colleagues at Ashet um, are, are very um, devoted to building up new talent. So um, they're two of the myths that that we're not really um, 
that we're sort of these aloof gatekeepers and yeah. that's not the case at all. So you must have a terrible time at dinner parties. <laughs> like you sit there and you say I'm a publisher and does everyone at the table have a book? Um, I once um, had a, a printer, a, you know, a computer printer at home that needed fixing and the computer printer man had written a book and he almost stalked me with oh, the manuscript no. oh, no. and it was quite a creepy manuscript. Oh, no. um, so I thought that was, that was probably my extreme. Um, otherwise, I've become quite good at, at trying to separate um, work from life and just say, oh, I'm not really looking for anything at the moment if it's somebody <laughs> telling me something over the dinner table. Right, yes. I can. Do you also get, you know, I, I often get people telling me, I've got this great idea for a book, you should write it for me. That's, that's my personal <laughs> way for it. Because like, it's no, so easy to write a book. I know. I said, you, know what? you should probably write that yourself. That might be fulfilling, <laughs> that <would> be. <laughs> All right. So what are the three main things? Like I'm, I'm, I'm handing you over a, a manuscript. Um, yes. Published. What are the three main things you're looking for when you read, you know, start reading that manuscript? Okay. Um, and can I ask a question? Is it fiction or non-fiction? Oh, good question. Okay. So, yeah, two different things because you yes. publish both. Um, okay, let's start with fiction. Let's say, what are the three main things you look for in fiction? All right. Um, so, I want an original voice. Now, that's different from an original story mm -hmm. because I really do believe that old saying that there are only seven stories in the world. Okay. Um, there might be more. Hopefully there are. But um, it's not that you always have to completely come up with a new storyline, but you do have to have a new way of telling it. Right. So it has to be um, your unique voice as a writer has to come through and I have to engage with that voice. So it has to um, do has to draw on my emotions one way or the other. So it either has to inspire me, or it has to engage me, or interest me, or all of those things put together. Um, and I have to feel that you're telling me a story that you really believe in. Um, it's no use um, writing a romance story because you think they sell well. You have to really believe in it. The integrity has to come through. Um, so that's one of the things. Um, probably that's the number one for me. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be something that triggers an emotion. Yeah. Um, then, of course, it's the quality of the writing. Is it interesting? You know, you don't have to do um, sort of create a new avant-garde style of writing, but it has to be something that um, is is confident enough that it draws me in, and it's a really well-managed tool to tell the story. And also, and stories are really important to me. So um, it has to have a story that I can think about while I'm doing the washing up. You know, it has to linger in my head. And of course, characters are really important. They have to be credible right. and three-dimensional and not, and, and I have to be interested in them. I can't think, I don't like any of these characters or I'm bored with all these characters or who cares. I've got to really engage. So you have to have one of those things because I can think of books that I've read where I didn't like any of the characters and yet mm. the books have been massively huge sellers and one of the things that everyone talks about them is that nobody likes any of the characters and yet the story is so compelling that you have to get yes. to the end. So it could be a, so it could be one or a combination of those yes, things. Yeah. Absolutely, good okay. point. Yes. And, and what about non-fiction? Are there, you know, are there is that a whole different ball game? Uh, yes, it is because often um, very often you won't get a, a non-fiction manuscript, you'll get a proposal. Right. Um, 
and some of the best non-fiction books have been put together by people who aren't writers. And, okay. and I deliberately say put together because it could mean that um, as a publisher you pair them up with a very good editor or even a ghostwriter. Yeah. Um, so it has to be, it's all down to um, the proposal, what, what the hook is, what the story is. Is it um, something that hasn't been done over and over and over? And also, with non-fiction, so much comes down to um, the person who is going to tell the story. And I'm deliberately not using the word author because they're not necessarily the one yeah. to write it. So the face but of um, yeah, yeah, you know, what what is their situation? Are they the best person to um, be an expert or to tell that experience? Okay. So, what are the biggest mistakes that you see? You mentioned the fact that people send their submission to the wrong mm. publisher um it's just not the kind of thing that you do or whatever are there other yes. sort of consistent mistakes that you see with yes. submitting manuscripts one of the things that um probably worries me the most and i've and i've run workshops and done all sorts of things to help people realize this is you have to be incredibly patient oh, and yes. don't rush like you're only going to get your manuscript in front of a publisher once probably yeah. um, and when I say publisher I also mean commissioning editor or editor or agent yeah. you know anyone who can um, help move that manuscript forward we are so overworked and as I say reading in our free time that um, unless it's a really unusual circumstance you're really only going to show that work um, have the chance to see that work once so you have to make sure it's the best it possibly can be and um, a lot of people quite rightly focus on the first few pages or the first chapter, realising that that's going to draw people in. But then please don't forget about the rest of the manuscript because literally I have read uh, manuscripts where the first chapter was brilliant and then it just dropped away. Oh. Um, so even if it means you know writing the manuscript, literally putting it away and not looking at it for a month or so, bringing it back and critically self-editing, um, that is so important. I think it's funny you say that. Like I often say that I think that writing and waiting should just be interchangeable words. Yeah, it's what a great thing. Because I think that I just spend, I, I just remember like in my, so the, my non-fiction books, my fiction books, I've just spent, I could wait for Australia, I reckon. If, yeah. I, if there had to be, if it was an Olympic sport, I would be out there in a green and gold tracksuit. Good on you. Yes. I think um, I think you should start making T-shirts with that on it. I don't think you're right. <laughs> Maybe there's a secondary market for me there. <laughs> All right. So what are publishing houses looking for from writers today? Like I, I think we probably segue this into the, you know, the idea of the author platform. Like, mm. Is it important? Are publishers looking for it? You know, what's the bare minimum that yes. I can have? Okay. So that's a great question. Let's say you've written a very, very good novel mm -hmm. and the publisher loves that novel and it goes along to a meeting and the publisher's colleagues love that novel. Um, then they're talking about whether or not they can offer you a contract. Now, the main thing a publisher needs to do is sell books and um, that might sound a bit simplistic, but we do. You know, Publishers need to pay wages, they need to keep the lights on, they need to pay um, the sales team nationally, not only the head office. So we have to only take on things that are going to sell. And I've noticed, having been in publishing a long time, that um, in recent years, it's harder than ever before to, 
to sell every single copy takes a huge amount of work. Right. Um, and that is work by the author just as much as by the publisher. So as you would know, it's um, a case of doing the hard yards. You've written the book, which I don't underestimate how hard that is. I, I admire anyone who can write a novel or a non-fiction book. It's a lot of hard work. But for better or for worse, that's only the beginning. After that, you have to be ready to, um, number one, work collaboratively with the publisher. Um, it's always a collab collaboration. It's not you against the publisher. You're out for the same aim, which is to, to sell your book. Um, so if the publisher wants you to do something, unless it's completely ridiculous, um, then you should do it. If you can't understand why they want you to do it, then simply ask. Yeah. Say, you know, and that's, this is diverging a bit, but um, the whole way through the publishing process, one of the most important things is to ask questions if you don't understand something. Yeah. Um, don't fret over something. Don't say no because you don't understand and don't feel that um, it's a silly question and the publisher will think less of you if you ask it. Just feel free to ask anything. So really... Um, the main thing now as an author is that you have to be ready to do a lot of work, which is usually fun, um, to promote your book and to help the publisher to sell it. Okay, so are we talking about here, like I think a lot of the time when people talk about author platform, they have in their heads that it's Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, mm. it's all social media stuff. I mean, is that, is that the kind of thing that you're talking about or are we, discuss, are we talking about other things as well? We're partly talking about that. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I go to the Romance Writers Conference every year and have been going for quite a long time. I see you there. Oh, there you go. And um, one year, about maybe three years ago, everybody, all the writers were saying that they were on Twitter, they had a blog, they had a website, they were Facebooking. Um, and that was the talk around the conference. And I thought, when are they getting time to write? The next year, it was literally 12 months later and a total turnaround. People were saying, we're only blogging or we're only keeping our website up to date or we're only Facebooking because we don't have time to do everything and nor is it worthwhile. So what the point of that is, you've got to be realistic. Choose the one or two platforms that you, number one, feel comfortable with um, and number two, have the time to maintain because there's no point having a whole social media platform when you never update your blog or you don't put the cover of your latest book on your website because you don't have time. Um, so really work out what suits you and also what suits your voice because you have to, um, again, it's a matter of um, the integrity shows through. If you're doing something and you're bored with it, then, of course, people following your blog are going to be bored with it too. Yeah. So choose what you feel comfortable with, what really excites you, what you know, what you can fit in each day um, because you're interested in it and take that as your platform and really don't try to do everything. It's, 
No, it's almost I impossible. Tell, my, I always tell people to do what's easy for them. Like mm. I find, like, I find Twitter easy. I find Facebook easy. I don't like Instagram because I hate selfies. I, <laughs> I mean, and there's only so many photos of my roses that I can Instagram. So I just and my puppy. So yes. I just don't do it. It's just no. it's not easy for me. I have to make, you know, I have to go out of my way. So I'm like, no, that's not for me. So yes. I think um, I that's always my thing is like just do the bits that you like and that are mm. easy for you, and then it will come through that you're enjoying yourself, which yes. is kind of half the point. Exactly. Anywho, and sorry about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, that, but I agree with you. I, I agree with everything you've said so far. Um, one thing I will say about social media is um, it requires a generosity of spirit. Um, don't, uh, and sadly people do this and it surprises me, don't criticise somebody on social media. Um, um, and it's, it doesn't seem that, that I should even have to say that, but surprisingly I do. You know, don't put on social media what you wouldn't say to that person face to face and also um, the other part of the generosity is um, uh, if whatever sort of social media you have promote other people yeah. because that's good book karma yep. they will promote you yeah it's so true um, so do you think it's also important like there's a lot of like networking and um, writer centers and conferences there's a lot of stuff that's available for writers mm. these days do you think that kind of face-to-face -face stuff it's you know should you pick a festival or a conference or something to go to because um, I think keeping up with your industry is is as important as keeping up with your readers and your yeah. you know, all of that sort of stuff particularly if you're starting out I think it's good to go and just see what other people are doing would you agree mm. with that yes absolutely I think um with anything, you've got to work out what you have time for. Mm. Um, so I would hate people to feel like they're going to be a lesser writer because they can't get to three conferences a year. Um, so choose what you can go to, choose what you can afford mm, because, absolutely. you know, it's, it's never cheap. Um, but I do agree with you. Um, I think if you're writing commercial women's fiction, then I would definitely re recommend the Romance Writers Conference um, because that's now developing beyond, um, well, it's primarily for romance writers, of course, but it extends beyond that. I've and it's been a so huge professional. Fan. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Fan. I've, I went to my first one of those about 10 years ago. When mm. I first started out and I learned so much. And even as I've sort of like branched out into different types of writing, um, the when you talk about generosity of spirit, there is so much mm. at that conference. And I think that, you know, I don't, um, yeah, if you're anywhere in that, realm i would recommend going as well because i think it's uh it's a fantastic way to meet a lot of other writers as yes. well and um that sort of aspect of finding your team mm. uh, is, is a great thing to do i think would you agree with that yes absolutely yeah. absolutely um it's not the same in every genre of writing no. um sci-fi conferences can be very good if you choose the right one um they can be very good if you're a reader, you know, always, but um, it just depends on which one's sort of more geared to to the writer. Um, and then it's a matter of um, looking, festivals are good, but there are so many festivals now, you just have to make sure you don't feel like you've got to go to each one. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I usually choose one a year. Like, I, I sort of try to make it to one thing a year, yes. basically. That's about as much, because I... 
you know, I'm down on the coast with my with my kids and everything. So I try yeah. to go to one thing a year just to, I mean, if nothing else, it kind of refreshes my writing spirit. I come back all excited. And oh, I know. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Brilliant. And if you can only go to one and you don't have a lot of time, then choose the session that will be writers talking about writing. Yeah, that's um, right. And I think you're right. It just rejuvenates you and you think, oh, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. That's right. There's nothing better than sitting around talking about writing with people for a whole No, it's great fun. <laughs> no one just gets it. <laughs> All right. Well, just to finish up um, today, let's uh, let's do the top three tips because you know right. love a top three tip. Um, so what are your top three tips for writers who want to get their book published? Um, read. Okay. So, and this is really important. I have had people say to me, I'm not reading at the moment because I'm writing. And that just makes me shrivel up. Um, you've got to keep reading. If you're writing fiction, then maybe keep reading, but read non-fiction and vice versa. So you're not um, subconsciously picking up somebody else's voice. But you just have to keep um, up to date with what other people are writing and, you know, Australian writers, but also international writers. Um, so that's really important. Um, back to your T-shirt that's going to say writing equals waiting. Um, be incredibly patient. Even if you're offered a contract, um, there's still going to be times when you're just waiting and waiting and that um, it can feel like nothing's happening whereas madly a whole lot of things are happening in the publishing company that you don't know about. Mm. Um, and always be patient with yourself. You know, rewrite, um, put something away, bring it back again have a look and see what you've done and be prepared to be self-critical. Um, and the other one, if you are being published, is again, just to reiterate, ask questions. Yeah. Um, because um, publishers have the best intentions in the world, but like anyone who's been doing their job for a while, we assume a lot of prior knowledge, which we shouldn't do, um, but we just do. And so if you can't understand why something's happening or why there's a delay or why you haven't heard from someone for a while, just um, email or get on the phone. I think we underestimate the importance of just picking up the phone and talking to each other. So true. So true. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Bernadette. I really appreciate it. And Thanks, of course, Alison. people can pop along to your seminar called What Publishers Want and get an even more in-depth discussion about all of these things that we've talked about um, at the Australian Writers' Centre. And um, in the meantime, good luck with all your bits and pieces. And, all right. Um, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. That was fun. Bye, Alison. Bye. Bernadette's great, isn't she? Oh, look, fantastic. You know, she's been doing it for so long. She knows her stuff. And... You know, I, I love it when people are generous with their knowledge mm. um, and answer all my silly questions. So I'm really hoping that um, our listeners also enjoyed my silly questions because <laughs> I think we got some great answers. It's nothing like getting inside the head of a publisher because it's just those little things that make you go, oh, of course. Yes. Anyway, so our uh, app pick or our web pick for this week, it ha comes to us via Kylie Saunder. Now, Kylie heard us talk about the fact that we don't do a lot of Google+. Plus. You know, we do a little bit, we dabble, but we're a little bit more active on the other social media platforms. So she has sent us a link to a course um, called Get Into Google+. Plus, and it's short, snappy video training. So it's an Australian course. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. So we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's um, by clickwinningcontent.com.au and there's uh, a series of Google Plus training videos and it looks really cool. And if you really want to get into Google Plus, you may as well, um, you know, learn from some experts. It was created by Kylie Saunder and Melinda Sampson, who are both cool chicks and... Um, it's yeah, check it out because you know if they've already gotten into it, and Kylie is very active on Google Plus. Yes, um, she's you great. may as well learn from somebody who knows what they're talking about. So thanks for sending it through, Kylie. Hmm. Meanwhile, some of you I've I've read on social media. Um, are going to the Walkley's uh, Storyology Conference, which is coming up um, in December. December 2nd is the freelance day. And um, Alison and I are conducting a masterclass. We are. Uh, yes. So we're really looking forward to that and looking forward to meeting a lot of you. So our masterclass is called, what's it called, Al? <laughs> Creating, oh, geez, um, that's a big question, Val. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's called turning your passion into productivity and profit. I knew there was passion, productivity and profit in there, but I just had a momentary synapse. Sorry, people. So basically, everyone, it's all about how to, you know, really boost your freelance business and get serious about it. We're already making the assumption you know how to write in that one. So, yes. you know, don't come to it if you think you're going to learn the write, the craft of writing. Uh, if you need that, there are courses at the Australian Writer Centre. This is very much focuses on, you know, what we've done to create successful freelance businesses over the last 15 years, um, right down to the apps that we use, to the way we deal with with editors, the way we do, the way we get corporate writing, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we'll put the link in the show notes. So that is a masterclass at Storyology. And I'm keen to just go to the Walkley Conference in general because it's always great to network yeah. with your peers and to see what yeah. else is going on in the industry. Great way to meet people. And that's something that freelancers need to always be bearing in mind, meeting as many people as possible, either yes. in the flesh or online. Never underestimate the power of your network. No. Never. I know it's cheesy, but I always say your network is your net worth. I truly Ooh, believe look it. look at you. Yep. Without <laughs> phrases, right? <laughs> Another way you can find out more about things happening in the writing industry is to sign up to the newsletter of the Australian Writers' Centre, which you can find at writerscentre.com.au. We're pretty excited about it. We're getting lots of amazing feedback about it. And one of the things we're doing to making it, uh, one of the things we're doing to make it even more interesting and useful for our community is we've already got some awesome giveaways coming up from Moleskin, Scrivener, Coco Press. Um, typo a whole bunch of awesome people so um it's all happening that's stationary like you know i'm assuming that as your co-podcaster i'm not going to be eligible for those but (laughs) disappointing (laughs) i love stationary i know i know Mm. stationary porn um okay so we've got some new review on itunes or new reviews on itunes we do have some new reviews on itunes and i just wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to nick pep who sent us a lovely uh, lovely review and told us um, about how she'd listened or she or he, I'm saying that I'm not entirely sure, had listened to a few on Saturday morning walks to the dog beach with Goliath. Hi, Goliath. Goliath, hi. Um, But then listened 
on a drive from Wollongong to Brisbane, it managed to catch all the way up to episode 30. So it wow. must have been almost like back to back, just us in her ER the whole way through. Wow. So, um, <laughs> That's scary. Big shout out for managing to sit through that. <laughs> well done. Oh, we love you. We do indeed. And she um, has also suggested that Procasti Pop and your cats might like to pop along and meet Goliath one day. So oh, awesome. we might have to see how we go. <laughs> Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our podcast this week. We would love to hear your questions on um, podcast at writerscentre.com.au or feel free to give us a shout out on social media. You'll find me at Valerie Koo and, on Twitter. And where do we find you on Twitter, Al? You find me at, at Al Tate. And you can find both of us at um, writerscentre.com.au. And we look forward to – oh, no, before we end, before we end, what? I we have to say, um, we would love a favour from you guys. Apart from, of course, oh yes, the, your your reviews on iTunes, which we thank you very much for. Um, as we know, Alison has a new book out. So where can they review your book, Al? It would be fantastic if you've had a read or your children have had a read um, and if you'd love to like to leave a little review for me on either Amazon or Goodreads, then, you know, you'd be helping an author out and I'd be internally grateful. Thank you. <laughs> it was like a community service announcement, Well wasn't it? done. You've got the voice for it. Okay, so thank you, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you next week. Bye.